And you're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. We have come into the second hour. It is 8 o'clock on a Friday morning, and we are seeing the sun streaming through our window here in the studio. And right now, to start off the hour, we're going to have another clue for the quiz. So, Brad, please give it to us. So, the third quiz out of the third hint out of five hints in the quiz. This is the fourth one. Because we did the third one last time. Remember? We did the third one just before. Yes, I was just did. testing you, Austin. Well yeah, done. You passed right. yet again. Here we are on to the fourth, the fourth um, hint in the quiz. I anointed the first two kings of Israel. That gives us a pretty strong clue, I would say. We're, we're on the right track. You should be able to get it from that, hopefully. If you can, here is the number 0491064669. If you've figured out who it is that we are talking about. And you can go in the draw to win the amazing quiz. Cookbook by Dr. Faye Kazzi, The Earthy Canvas Vegan Cookbook. There is still a chance. Get your guesses in soon. This is your second last chance to do so. Uh, we are going to have one more quiz, and then we're going to be doing the draw at around 8.45 a.m. So, guys, make sure you stay tuned. But right now, hey, let's get into some text messages. You guys have been sending us through your thoughts and opinions. Water desalination, drinking water is one of a uh, crisis in the world. This might be the answer. Yeah, if everyone's just carrying portable water desalinators. Then it is that could certainly be very good, good news. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Uh, the county sheriff, good on him. Uh, there, you know, there should be more like those, you know, who are stepping up and saving people from burning buildings mm. and, and going above and beyond in their job. Um, bacterial lights, great for country living. Hey, you're, you're about Absolutely. to go on that journey. <laughs> I see, I see the light. Do you have to feed this bacteria? That's a question. But that hey, is a good one. I hadn't actually thought about that, and they did not mention it in the article. So I'm, I have no idea. But that's potentially. So you're, you've just bought a property out in the country. Imagine if it just had lights that just like you know were were not too bright, but just kind of on all the time and giving a bit of ambience to to the area. <laughs> and yeah, you don't have to think about powering them. Yeah, look, the idea is good. Um, I'm not sure if practicality wise it would be the most effective. <laughs> so, so how much will it cost me to import bacteria? Exactly, this like, bacteria is not the cheapest on the bacteria black market. <laughs> that's right. Um, the religious bill. Uh, this is talking about schools mm. and employment of teachers, employment in religious schools. Have you ever heard of the saying divide and conquer? The government seemed to always have a way to do that. At this pace, the only, only uh, a religious teacher needs to be religious. The school is no longer a religious school, but a public school. Satan never sleeps. And this was something yeah. we, we actually had a bit of a conversation about that off air, is that ultimately you create a... This legislation creates a wedge of, of definitions mm. that if you bring it to its logical conclusion, because you think about it, it's like... A maths teacher can teach maths without being Christian at a non-Christian school. Mm. Um, so therefore, why can't a maths teacher teach math at a Christian school without being Christian? Yeah. And then, it, yeah, we talked about this on air. We talked about this a little bit off air, but definitely our thoughts are, are resonating the same. And, you know, we could partic- see, yeah, uh, education and Christian education really struggle from this point forward. So this legislation, by the way, it came um, out in Victoria and... Obviously, uh, Victoria now under Dan Andrews is a Labour government. Um, the Labour government, the, the federally running Labour government, the Anthony Albanese government have said that they won't, in, you know, bring this bill, um, to fruition federally. Uh, which, you know, if that's their election promise, and I'm like, okay, fair enough. Mm. Uh, but then at the same time, it's like, well, well, why is your, your representatives down in Victoria doing so? You know, mm. so, mm. so, 
potentially this is just uh, political talk, you know, uh, trying to win votes. But we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, we had another text message here about that. Labor wouldn't hire a liberal supporter and vice versa. Yet they debate who Christian schools can hire. Mm. And it's like, oh, well, you know, your, your criteria to, you know, to to be in, in, in like, yeah, I don't know. It, it's um like, but then it's like, oh, but, but being a Labour or Liberal supporter isn't, you know, under the, you know, group of protected people groups. It's not a characteristic that is protected in the workplace. Um, but then why not? You know, why don't yeah. we make it? It's like, why are we arbitrarily picking and deciding what, what is and what isn't? Specifically into religion and Christianity. That's yeah. right. Uh, one last text message here. I had the privilege of doing a stint of being flown to different churches by Adventist Aviation some years mm. ago. What a wonderful service in reaching churches with new speakers. The blessing goes both ways. I must admit, I was not too confident in flying in a four-seater. And <laughs> I actually have a story about this. Uh, oh, I don't want to share it. I don't, th- this wasn't Adventist Aviation. This was another group. Um, I was invited to preach out in an area where I needed to take a plane and they had a six seater plane and I was going with a group of people. We put all of our stuff on the plane and we all get in the plane and they've done all the checks, you know, for the last hour or so. And we're about to take off in this plane, you know, literally about to start the engines. And a mechanic comes walking in and says, hey, no, the manifold uh, brackets on that plane are broken. And if you fly it, the wing will vibrate so much that the plane might fall apart. <laughs> that instills confidence. And I was like, oh, okay. And then uh, we got out of that plane you know, took another hour to prepare another plane and we ended up getting there a bit late and I preached, I think, you know, usually on a on a Saturday morning you're preaching at like 10 a.m., but I was preaching at like, I think, midday by the time that we got there. But yeah, it was a bit of an interesting situation. Mm. But then at the same time, once we got up in the air, it was just awesome. Like, yeah. this is so sick. I was like, oh, I could fly this plane. This would be the funniest thing ever. Uh, but anyways, thank you guys for your text messages um, and thank you for your thoughts and continue to send them in. 0491 Also, if you have a question of the day send that one in as well but right now we are going to get into our 20 million movement bible study lots of people around the world studying the same or similar passage passages of the bible um and we have been working our way through the story of abram now when you were here with us brad yes uh we covered the story of abram and egypt and the half truths and lies that were told and (laughs) you know Abram's self-reliance and ultimately that he kind of got out of that situation, you know, scot-free, um, but potentially definitely learning his lesson, um, you know, just seeing where wow, my faithful, my faithlessness caused um, a bit of heartache and pain for a bunch of different people, including my wife. So we see the evidence of learning from that in the next verse where instead of Abraham being or Abram being uh, selfishly motivated in his dealings with Lot, uh, in that story, Abram actually, you know, uh, he secedes, uh, he, he, he gives Lot the opportunity to choose land first. Mm. We commented yesterday about how Lot chose the land first, which he shouldn't. He should have deferred back to Abraham because Abraham the is elder, his, yeah. his elder, his authority. Um, but Lot sees this plain of Jordan that it's beautiful and it's watered and it's mm. fertile and mm. amazing versus seeing the potentially the drought-stricken Canaan, which Abraham has been called doing. And Lot's like, yeah, look, I'm, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go to Sodom. I'm mm. going to hang out. 
that, you know, all my wealth and all my stuff. We see we see that lot in being associated to Abraham is also incredibly um, rich and increased. Yes. And um, he decides ultimately because of his riches, um, you know, and because of the potential gain that can come from being in the city of Sodom and being in that area, he decides to go that direction. Now, Abram heads up into Canaan, uh, which again at this time probably drought stricken, stricken and struggling, but he's learned his lesson. He's learned he has learned his lesson from Egypt, and mm, he's prepared and willing. Out. Hey, no, I'm going to follow God in this time. Now, at the end of chapter 13, we see a reinstating of the covenant. So let's actually read from verse 14 to verse 18, if you can get that for us, Brad. Of chapter 13 of Genesis, verses 13 through to 14. 14 to 18. 18. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. And I will make the, thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. Mm. I think God comes to Abram at this point and he reconfirms this covenant, um, says, you know, I'm going to give you all this land. You will have many descendants. They will dwell here. At this time, Abram has no descendants. Uh, it's just him and Sarai and his servants and his, mm. you know, shepherds and herdsmen and all of his gold and silver and flock. But he has no descendants. That's like the single thing that he lacks. Uh, and as a result, um, you know, he's probably wondering, like, when that's going to come about, where they should settle. There's been, a, well, a lot of uh, anxiety over this very point we've seen in the previous chapters because he's like oh i'm supposed to stay here but like there's not even water here we have a famine there's no food this is terrible this is awful but now god comes and promises him again you're listening to faith fm positively different radio he he reiterates his this promise now this came as a result of Abram's faithfulness in the previous story that just happened between him and Lot. Abraham was faithful to the calling of God. Yes, Mm. I'm going to go back to, you know, Abram didn't have to give Lot the option, yet he did out of graciousness. Lot took it and Abram was like, yes, I'm going to go back to the land of Canaan. I'm going to settle there because that is where God has called me to. And I think as a result of his faithfulness, it's just, you know, you see that God has been dealing very mercifully with yeah. Abram up until this point. And and now Abram, he's learned his lesson. He's really come back to God. He's on track with God. And God is just reiterating that covenant again and saying, hey, no, like I, I am with you. You know, if you stay on this track, you will be, you know, the blessing, you know, your You'll promises. Be blessed as I promised. Yes, yeah, exactly that's right. right. Um, and yeah, it's at a, as a result of Abram responding, God is like, yes, this we're going to do this. We yeah. are going to do this. And it's so important, I think, um, to reiterate that, you know, God is the the, the protagonist in the story. Like we, yeah. we read about like Abram and, you know, his faithfulness and, and, you know, praise God that he was capable of remaining faithful under duress and under difficult circumstances. Um, but we're just grateful that, that God is merciful, um, even mm. when he, uh, messes around a little bit, gets yep. things mixed up and uh-huh. goes the wrong way as well. And I take a lot of comfort from that as oh, well. Just totally. just given, you know, as we mentioned at the start, my gratitude, um, mm. I didn't even recognize that we were talking about this story, but it's so relevant um, mm. that my wife and I are moving to the country and mm. we are certainly feeling like we are moving into a desolate wilderness. We've mm. got a little block of land. Um, 
it's not going to be great um, necessarily <laughs> from the outset. And it's going to be a lot of affliction and hardship. But at the same time, yeah. I take a lot of comfort that, that sometimes those are the, often those are the means by which God mm. produces the greatest blessings to yeah. and through us. Mm. Um, so, I mean, this is the same thing that happened with uh, Isaac. We'll see in a couple of chapters time, as well as we see with the Israelites coming out of Egypt and then ending up in the wilderness mm. um, for a number of years. Mm. Uh, and it was the means, oh, it was also Moses as well. Yep. But this is the means by which God trains them um, for mm. for uh, the purpose of receiving the blessing. Mm. And I think that's one of the main things that we need to remember here with the reiteration of the covenant uh, with Abram. He is receiving that covenant. Like, I'm going to bless you, but there's going to be some hardships as we're about to discover um, before we can get to that, pa- that point. Yeah, that's right. Well, I think like, oh man, you, you started to bring up stories, Isaac, the Israelites, Moses. I even think about like, you know, the, 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 the first destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians and how much hardship was caused because of that and, and so heartbreak. True. And uh, you see, you know, you get to the time of Daniel and there's very few people in the world who are actually following God. You know, mm. Daniel and uh, potentially like Jeremiah is a contemporary, but probably early in Daniel's life, Jeremiah would have mm. passed away. Um, the same with Ezekiel. Uh, but, you know, it's through Daniel, the promise is given to restore Israel. Um, and then you see Nehemiah and Ezra, you know, yeah. both uh, servants in the kingdom of Medo-Persia. They both, uh, God is working in both of their situations. And ultimately they end up back in Jerusalem, rebuilding the city under very difficult circumstances. But yeah. as a result, um, because of those different difficult circumstances, they rely on God mm. and then God's purposes are fulfilled. And it was that rebuilding of Jerusalem that then gave, you know, that was the kind of the beginning of the run. And then until the Messiah would come, that's kind of the last picture we get of Israel yeah. before the coming forth of the Messiah. And we see that like, right, you know, that that's kind of like the end of Israel right there. Yeah. That's the end kind of story of Israel because then after Messiah comes, they reject him and it's destroyed. Mm, but mm. even in its initial beginnings here, we're seeing hardship. A lot of that hardship is often caused by bad decisions <laughs> yes. uh, because we are human. Uh, but at the same time, when hardship comes upon um, them, whether through bad decisions, or like their yeah. own decisions, or whether through the bad decisions and terrible circumstances of, of others, God is working through them if they are just willing to go to him. Absolutely. And I just want to encourage all your listeners out there as well. If mm-hmm. you are going through a difficult situation mm-hmm. and it feels like you are in the midst of the wilderness, take courage. Be encouraged that mm. Abram before you and many of the other patriarchs uh, all went through difficult circumstances and God produced the greatest blessings to humanity through those difficult circumstances. Wow. Yep. And Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3, he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chase. And mm. so therefore, I think you brought it up the other day, Lawson, um, in Corinthians, it says, do not despise the chastening of the Lord yes. um, because it works the peaceable fruit of righteousness. It is mm. so worthwhile hanging on in there. Don't let go, brother, my sister, um, mm. listener. It is worthwhile going through the wilderness experience epic now uh in terms of abraham and lot from this very point uh a great and distressful situation befalls upon them yeah specifically lot but also distressful and difficult for abram as well absolutely um so let's pick it up in chapter 14 and we're going to read maybe verse one to four now there's a lot of difficult names <laughs> yes. in here. do you feel do you feel up to this brad oh look it's going to be pretty wordy but i reckon we should give it a crack all right brad i believe in you get it get it done <laughs> where are we going to read up to uh verse let's read to verse four 
to verse 4. That's probably good. And then you can take the next bunch of names. Yeah, sure. All right, it says in verse 1 there, And it came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Elisar, Chedalumar, mm-hmm. king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations, that these made war with Berar, king of Sodom, and with Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Admar, and Shenabar, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, which is Zoar. All these were joined together in the Vale of Siddim, which is the Salt Sea. Twelve years they served Chedolomar. In the thirteenth year they rebelled. Forgive my poor pronunciation of that. That is <laughs> fine. So we ultimately get a, a look here at two powers emerging that mm. will um, have tension and friction. And uniting a bunch of others yeah. Uh, yeah, together. I think what we see here, like, yeah, well, we have two different coalitions yes. of, of people. The first coalition here is made up of the king of Shinar, um, the king of Elisa, uh, Chedaloma, the king of Elam. He is a real kind of uh, real highlighted person in this story, and we'll get to that in a second, and titled the king. Title's just called the king of nations. He's just like, titled, he is the king of nations. Sounds pretty boss. That gives us some inference as to what kind of force this was. Because Mm. particularly Chedalomar, the king of Elam, the Elamite Empire at this time was one of the biggest uh, empires that existed in the known world, that existed in this area of the, you know, the Middle East. And they are, you know, this coalition of nations who has great rulership over a massive area. Mm. Um, in fact, I know all this information because I've I've heard it before from actually from Lyle. This is one of Lyle's favorite chapters in the book of Genesis, <laughs> um, talking about this war that takes place between these two groups of kings. This here in the book of Genesis and then the later chapters in the book of Acts where it talks about the shipwreck because he gets to talk about boats. Um, <laughs> so boats and war, that's like Lyle's thing. And it's unfortunate that he's not here with us this morning because he has a, an amazing information to share. <laughs> And we are praying for him as he is recovering from COVID and we'll be back very soon. Uh, but right now we see these two forces. And yes, this first force mm. that's described here. It's formidable. It is formidable. These are, you know, some of the strongest powers that exist. And how we know that, you know, uh, that not only they are the strongest powers that exist, but definitely stronger than the other powers is, yeah. you know, we see Sodom and Gomorrah, the twin cities. We see Adma, Zeboim and Zor. Um this war or this conflict, this later conflict that we're about to read about takes place because that group of kings is actually under the rulership of these other group, this first yes. group of kings. So yep. Chedalomar of Elam and the King of Nations, all these guys have rulership over the rest of these kings and nations and cities. Yeah. Um, and this conflict arises because they rebel. And so if you have a group that's rebelling from a group that has power over them, you can quickly come to the conclusion as to who is the most powerful in that power dynamic. And it's clearly this first group, you know, Mm. the Elamite Empire, the King of Nations, like these guys are far and away more stronger than um, these smaller powers. Now we can go through and read some of the other verses here. I'll pick it up in verse five. It says, in the 14th year of Chedaloma and the kings that were with him, it came and it uh, the kings that were with him came and attacked Rephaim and Ashtaroth Karanaim and Zuzim in Ham and Emim in Sheva Kariathim uh, and the Horites in the mountains of Seir as far as El Paran, which is by the wilderness. Then they turned back and came to En Mishpat, uh, that is Kadesh, 
Ed attacked all the country of the Amalekites and also the Amorites and dwelt in Hazazon Tamar. And the king of Sodom and the king of Moriah and the king of Badma and the king of Zeboam and the king of Bela uh, went out and joined together for the battle in the valley of Sinim against Chedorlaomer, the king of Elam, Tidal, the king of nations, uh, Amraphel, uh, sorry, Amraphel, the king of Shinar, and Arioch, the king of Eleazar, the fourth kings, uh, against five. So now <laughs> they, so basically what, happens before this is that these four kings that are very powerful take all this land and corner these five kings of the smaller nation and then they go to battle in the valley you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different and we have uh, one more clue for the quiz. One last clue, and then we'll be doing the draw uh, very soon at 8.45. So stay tuned for that. But let's give them the last chance. We actually, we had a bunch of text messages flowing in there, and everyone started to go, <laughs> oh, okay, I know who this is, and bam, 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 everyone's getting it correct. But let's give them one more chance. This is it. it. You guys should be able to pick it up from this one. Otherwise, just go and have a look in the contents of your Bible for hint number four. Five is two <laughs> books of the Bible bear my name. Mm. So he anointed the first two kings of Israel, and there is two books named after him. You can get in touch with us zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. There is still time to get in with your answers and go in the draw to win that amazing vegan cookbook. Yes, that's right. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Want to remind you guys as well. You can give us a text on that number to uh, ask us any questions of the day, any Bible question you have, mm. or any religious or spiritual question that you have. We will endeavour to answer on the show but right now let's get back into our bible study so basically what we see here we've got the four kings that are really strong and awesome we've got the five kings that are kings of small nations and cities um those five kings rebel against the four kings and as a result those four kings just decide all right we're going to make our way down there uh, we're going to make our way down there to attack them. And on the way, we're just going to attack lots of people and expand our territory even further. In the process. In the process. And then they rock up to the Valley of Sidim, ready to fight. It's like, all right, let's, uh, let's get this done. Because these four, you know, four great kings should be able to take out these five minor nations. You know, they've got huge armies, amazing groups of people who will be able to to take them out. And they're like, yep, let's squash out this rebellion so that um, they will stop rebelling. Now let's have a look at what takes place from here. Let's pick it up, uh, if you could, Brad, in verse 10. Yep. And we'll read through to verse 12. Yes, no worries. And I love the way this starts as well. And the veil of Siddim was full of slime pits. And you can just imagine this situation becoming a pit of slime with all yeah. this this just bloodshed. And the yeah. kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there, and they that remained fled to the mountain. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. Mm. So how was uh, how successful was the coalition of the four kings here? It seems pretty straightforward. It seems like a pretty easy victory. Yeah. Um, there wasn't too much of a resistance when it actually came down to the wire. Now, I love how your Bible says slime pits. In my Bible, it says asphalt pits, uh, you know, giving a little bit more, more context. But just slime, just in, in its modern context, I'm like, man, they're getting stuck in some Play-Doh or something. <laughs> yes. uh, but obviously, this was a, a very obstacle-filled and difficult 
battlefield yeah, that they're fighting mm. on and uh, they come together and as predicted these four kings that have destroyed and taken all these nations along the way then rock up and you know rout them with ease rat yeah that's right rout them with ease take them down the kings of sodom and gomorrah um uh, lose their lives in those battles, um, and they took all that Sodom and Gomorrah had. Now, this is a big problem for any prospects of taking these kings going forward because they have travelled from Elam, they've travelled a long way, and you know when you have to feed an army and keep them, you know their spirits high and keep them well fed and you know mm-hmm. well slept and mm-hmm. all these kinds of things, whilst you're c- going on like a full on raiding you know mission where you're just taking everything out. It's not even raiding at that point; it's just downright pure invasion force yeah um you would need to do your best to keep these guys well fed well hydrated and well slept but now in winning this battle against sodom and gomorrah and taking everything that they have you know now they have food now they have money now they have everything so like this doesn't help the cause of anyone who is trying to go up against them yeah, yeah, it's like that little game that you'd play where you're the like the little the little fish in the pond, and you've got to eat the little fish that are smaller than you. Mm-hmm. And then slowly but surely, you get bigger and bigger, and you can start tackling the bigger fish. Yeah. Once you're that big fish, you just dominate. Game over. That's There's nothing right. that can stop That's you. That's right. Um, now, interestingly, with that game, the bigger fish you are, the slower you move. Oh, and truth. we're actually going to see Good that point. that is a problem um, for the Elamites here and for this coalition of kings. That th- this force they actually start to struggle, and that enables. Um, the following when Abram has the ability to fight against them. So let's pick up the story in verse 13. And, uh, oh, oh, one quick thing to mention. Who else is caught up in this battle? That's a good question, Lawson. Who else, who else that is significant to our previous story? A lot. Lot, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because because where's Lot living at this time? He's in sort of Exactly right. right. It's uh, the previous decisions that he's made that's led to this. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Now, this is one time where, you know, we actually talked about in our question of the day yesterday that Lot, you know, in making the decision to live in Sodom, you know, started with so much and then lost mm. everything. Um, yeah. This is a time in which he loses a lot as well. And we see that God here is, will be very merciful to him. Um, his life will be saved. His things will be saved. Uh, but yeah, as a result of his bad decision, yeah. he ends up in this situation where he is captured, his stuff is captured. And uh, yeah, it's important to remember that sometimes the path that seems the most prosperous is not necessarily the path that God's called you to. Yeah, and well, that's the thing. It can get you in strife. Um, mm. worth praying and um, and knowing God's will for the direction that you go rather than just attempting to make a decision based on what appears the most prosperous. Yes, oh, totally. That is convicting. That is, I think that is convicting for all of us because it's like things often look good and because they look good, we want to do them. But yeah. there is such need to consult the Lord of which Lot didn't do. Mm-hmm. And as a result, he is now a captive. He is yeah. now a slave and it's probably not only him, but his family and all these his goods. goods and his servants, they're all taken into captivity here. Now, let's pick it up in verse 13 and uh, yeah, maybe let's read up to verse 15. All right. And there came out one that had escaped and told Abram, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eskol, the brother of Anna, and these were confederate with Abram. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them into Dan. And he divided himself against them, he and his servant, by night, and smote them, and pursued them unto Hobar, which is on the left hand of Damascus. Hmm. Okay. So, Abram... Right, you know, raises up a, a group. He's like, okay, they've taken Lot. 
I don't want this to happen. I don't want my brother or my nephew to to die. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to solve this problem, and he's going to go up against you know a hundreds of thousands strong Elamite army mm-hmm. um, with how many people? 300 or thereabouts. <laughs> yeah, about 300 dudes. <laughs> and the thought is like, oh, why? Like, what? Um, and then furthermore, he, uh, you know, these are trained servants. And when he uses the word trained servants, we can assume that, oh, maybe they were trained in some type of battle or whatever. You maybe, hope so. You know, maybe you could say they're just trained in, I don't know, how to be shepherds or something. But yeah. no, it sounds like they're trained. They have some ability to fight, some ability to battle, but literally just 300 of them. Yeah. Up against a power that is tens of thousands strong. And they pursue them down um, and catch up with them. And basically, it says they attacked and pursued them all the way to the North Damascus. Now, this is as I mentioned earlier. We talked about the big fish and the small fish. (laughs) If you've just won a battle and you've taken the entire contents of two cities with you as a result... Um, you are a tens of thousands strong force, then you're probably moving pretty slow. Yeah, and you're not necessarily uh, capable of organising all these people that you've just picked up either. Mm -hmm. They're not necessarily part of your army, so it's hard to sort of orchestrate uh, a resistance against this routing. Yeah, you could say, like, you know, the heaviest cargo that they're bringing back is slaves as well. Like, you know, how because they're also people that have to be watered and you know, fed, fed slept, and yeah. slept and walked along with the army. Now, Abram's game here is speed. He's like, I'm going to catch up to these people. Yeah. I'm going to take them out. And as a result, the Lord blesses him and he's yeah. able to win this battle. Hey, that's all the time that we have to talk about it this morning. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We have come to the time that you've been waiting for all week, the draw of our weekly quiz. What was that prize again? Oh, it is worth reiterating the amazing Earthy Canvas Vegan Cookbook by Dr. Faye Kazzy. And I wish you could see some of these pictures. I hope some of you have been Googling and looking Mm. at some of the pictures from this book. It looks incredible. I wish I could put my name in that drawer as well to go in the running for this particular book because it is incredible. But unfortunately, I have the answers in front of me, so cannot do so. But for those of you who have, it is worthwhile. There is still a couple of quick seconds, but we are about to do our draw so you'd have to be very quick and by quick seconds he means in five minutes uh, i mean in five seconds i'm going to spin this wheel <laughs> and i'm so we've got you know this wheel up we've got all your entries in for those who have entered multiple times congratulations you have the most chance of winning but right now we're going to spin the wheel to see who will win and here drum we go oh man i wish i had a drum roll we don't have a but the winner is Oh, here we go. Francine. Francine Congratulations, Francine. We will be... Set- Actually, interestingly, she got an entry in very recently. So, congratulations. Snuck you, in. You are the winner of our healthy, earthy canvas vegan cookbook. We'll be getting your information and sending that to you. Thank you, everyone, for playing the quiz this week. You still have the chance to win a prize at the end of the show for free. You just have to be the first caller in. But thank you so much for playing playing the quiz. Congratulations, Francine. So, uh, we also have a question that has come in um, that we are going to seek to answer here as well. Um, And that question was, 
Is guilt the Holy Spirit letting you know that you have sinned or does the Holy Spirit take away guilt? Now, that is a great question, mm. one that I have, can personally resonate with mm-hmm. as there is some uh, potential for tension uh, mm. in, in, in people's Christian journey with this concept of guilt and whether or not the Holy Spirit is the one bringing the guilt or the one taking the guilt away. Mm. Um, and I, would, I, I was thinking about this question when it came in a little earlier and I was thinking of my own experience where at times I have had what could be classed as a sensitive conscience and have had difficulty reconciling whether or not this is indeed the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. convicting me of something that I needed to change in my life or whether it was something that I was construing in my own head Mm -hmm. out of fear um, in my Christian journey. Now, in in reconciling this concept and in reconciling that sort of tension and and trying to figure out whether or not it's the Holy Spirit or not, Mm -hmm. um, I was reminded of two particular verses. Um, The first one is in John chapter 16. John chapter 16 uh, talks probably uh, the most eloquently on the Holy Spirit um, Mm. and gives probably the most encouragement to those out there who are struggling with this concept of guilt and whether the Holy Spirit is doing you a favor or a disservice by giving you guilt or taking the guilt away um, and and having the same difficulty. So I want to start by reading just in John chapter 16 and verses 7 through to 8. And it says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus talking. And this is one of his last discourses to his disciples. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for me that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if mm. I depart, I will send him unto you. So it's important to note that before he tells us what the role of the Holy Spirit is, he tells us that the the the, the Holy Spirit can otherwise be known as a comforter. It's important to note that the Holy Spirit is there for our comfort um, and, and to encourage us in our Christian journey, not to make it more difficult. So keeping that in mind, as we read the next verse, it says, When he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So yes, it is indeed biblically the role of the Holy Spirit to give us an understanding of what is and what is not right and what is and what is not sin. So the Holy Spirit does give us that um, that insight, uh, but it's also noted that he is the comforter. So it's worth remembering that. Um, and then the other verse that came to mind just quickly before we wrap up here, um, there is a verse in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22, which says, let us draw near to with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. It's important to note that there could be two ways that your conscience could be swinging. It could be swinging towards having um, uh, a searing, as it's mentioned elsewhere in the Bible, or it could be mentioned as a, a conscience that is hypersensitive. And the way in which we find the balance between those two is an acquaintance with him personally wow. and with his word, the scriptures. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM. And we have come to the end of the week on The Breakfast Show. You have been faithful listening all week, <laughs> sending in quiz answers. And, uh, yeah, congratulations, Francine, on winning. I was just texting her and, and letting her know, yeah, she was among the last entrants into the yes. quiz. And, <laughs> the uh, 11th hour workers. <laughs> and actually, as I said, as I said, I was like, it is potentially, you know, because there were people who texted the correct answer in every single day and had like the most entries that they could possibly have the maximum amount. She had one entry in the quiz. 
Wowzers. Just today. Meant and, to be. And, like, it was 100% random. Like, we absolutely promise here on Faith FM, we are people of God. It was 100% random. <laughs> I'll vouch <and>, for it. <laughs> and Francine came through to win. So, congratulations, Francine. But, hey, we're going to give away something for free right now. Brad, what is it? Look, I am super excited about this one and every apologist should have this giveaway in their library. Mm -hmm. It is Answers to Difficult Bible Text by Joe Cruz. It is valuable information that explains more than a 100 perplexing Bible verses with an index. It is an incredible book. Um, It is worth having. I can assure you I have it in my own library at home uh, and it has answered so many of the difficult Bible texts that people have suggested to me are really reasons for denying my faith and Mm. having seen it with a logic and rationale as joe presents it in simplistic form has given me the unction i needed to press forward in my faith it is worth having this book if you were the first to give us a call or send us a a text message sorry as our phones are down on 0491064669 you will be the first one and get this book in your library Fantastic. Well, guys, remember to talk faith, to live faith, and to act faith, and you'll grow strong in Jesus Christ. Have a fantastic weekend. This is Faith FM. Faith FM.